Yeah. Good morning. We're on uh, we're on page eleven, and we get through these next couple of chapters. He's finally gonna he's finally gonna get where we can start seeing how they relate to to us. But I got a couple things I want to show you because the book is about what's going on in the United States and all. Uh, so I got a couple things I want I want to show you. Uh, Mark sent me one, and forgive me, I don't know who sent the other one. Um, the other one has something to do with the election. I'm going to start this and then back it up. It's just about taking God out of government. Education of Ronald Reagan, his name was William, the former Secretary of Education of Ronald Reagan, his name was William <coughs> Bennett. Um, he issued something called the Index of Leading Cultural Indicators. So what he did was he studied the trends for 30 years between 60 and 90, 1960 to 1990. And these are the years that are associated you know, with the judiciary's all-out assault on Christianity. Here's what he found. This was the data that was released. In that time period, when they removed God from the schools, 419% increase in the, in the rate of illegitimate births, 419%. And it can literally be sourced back to the moments we took God out of the schools. About 400% increase in divorce rates, 200% increase in Here you go. Uh, points. 560% increase in when they removed God from the schools. 419% increase in the, in the rate of illegitimate births. 419%. And it can literally be sourced back to the moments we took God out of the schools. About 400% increase in divorce rates, 200% increase in teenage suicides. SAT scores dropped almost 80 points. 560% increase in violent crimes. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the last 54 verses of Deuteronomy. Whenever we, whenever we leave the way of God, curses come. This is one plus one equals two. So the former secretary of education. So you see that. You notice though, if you look at what's going on today, you don't see any positive statistics. It's all going the other way. And just, just like the book is indicating that something's going to fill that vacuum. Something's going to fill that void when we take God out. Now this is the one that, that uh, surprised me this week is, is this next one. It's not a video. It's actually a... And this is Montana. Montana referendum number 131 requires medical care for infants born alive. Requires medical care to be provided to infants who are born alive, including after an attempted abortion. They voted it down, 52% to 48%, that you cannot assist kids that survive abortions. This is Montana. Now, I would have never... I mean, New York, California, uh, you would have never got me to... to to consider that would have been Montana that would have voted that, you know. So, but, but you, I read on in some of the bill, the, the, the problem that got people confused was, which I kind of agree with, that the bill, if that child in, in that abortion was born alive, the bill wanted to call it a person, that it had legal rights. Because it was born. And that is where it, it, it got gray. And when, when, when you read the comments or, or, around the law and read the law, is the debate ended up not being 
should we take care of the child of abortion debate ended up being when is a when is it called a person? Is it when it's conceived, when it's born? So, so the liberals changed the narrative from the bill to actually when does it become a person? See, instead of hey, should we help this child that's born alive? Uh, you know. So anyway, uh, according to Montana law, now it's a crime if that doctor helps that baby. So. Uh-huh. The population of Montana is 989,000, and there was over 550,000 voters. Yeah. Uh-huh. Two thirds of them voters. And I don't know if that was the end of it. Mm. I don't know if that was the, the final tally or how many. I didn't, I didn't even look to see what percent. I didn't figure what percent. I should have looked to see what percentage that vote was right there. How is that not considered murder? That is the debate. Is, is if, if it's born. Oh, so, but now, I mean, but but now this is what they're saying that this is paving the way for. Let me say it right. Infanticide. How, how you say it? When an infant side. Inf, somebody say the word. Infanticide. That you know, we can kill baby. You know, China been doing it for years to hold that population down. They've been, they, you know, they kill all girl babies almost every one of them because you know the, the guy, the man is supposed to be supreme, etc., etc. They've done that for for years, but. You know, but this thing is leading to that, and we seen last week, you know, about euthanasia of the elderly. You know, so I'm thinking about changing my birth certificate, man. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling me back some years. What about if you just identify someone younger? Do what? Self-identify. <laughs> 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 I hadn't thought of that. Be another little letter added added to the alphabet too. <laughs> so as we see, you know, we we live in a in a mixed up world right now. You know, and and like. We've been seeing, and like the book says, you know, it, it's what used to be wrong is now right, and what is, is right is now wrong, you know, and, and this whole thing is turned upside down because of the return. All right, page 11. <clears throat> and I'll read our verse that we, we were on last week. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, Rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that was that was a good lesson last week, huh? I enjoyed it. We got into some deep water. Uh, the bottom paragraph here, we we I'm sorry, middle of the page there, before we ended off, says wherever there were people, there were gods. They reigned over nations, cities, cultures, nature, over the underworld, over the heavenlies. Their presence permeated the lives of the subjects. The people were bound. To them, and so we read that in Matthew about the the demon possessed guy that Jesus met. You know how he controlled that area. Nobody went in, nobody went out, unless unless he said so. Everything passed by him, and what happened when you know when Jesus delivered him, and how he won the whole region to the Lord. It says here the devastators. The book of Deuteronomy, Moses speaks of a people departing from God and turning elsewhere. They sacrificed to the Shedims or the demonic spirits in the Bible. Those you know, we talked about the Jewish mythology, and not to gods. To the gods did they did not know to new gods and to gods that had come. Now I looked up the, the what was the Jewish gods that, that you know because the Israelites were even sacrificing children at one time, and, and I should have knew this. You've seen it in Scripture too. Baal and Balaam is the two. Is is the uh, Canaanite gods that the Israelites were were looking to? Our page twelve of the uh, right above above that first title. 
It said the Shedom came from the Hebrew word, root word should, which means to act violently, to lay waste, to devastate, to that which brings destruction. In ancient Babylon writings, the word Shedom or Shedu speaks of spirits, protective, and malevolent. Did I say that right? The latter case would match the root word from which we, the word Shedom derives. Excuse me. <clears throat> the Malavich spirit would lay waste and devastate and bring destruction. All right? The demonia. When the ancient Jewish scholars rendered the Hebrew Bible into Greek in a translation known as the Septuagint, they had to find the right word in Greek to stand for Shedom. The word they used could refer to a spirit, a principality, or an occult entity, a god, a, a demonian. It is from that we get our word demon or evil spirit. In the Jewish world, the Shedom, the demonic spirits, so the Septuagint translates Deuteronomy 32.17 in this way. And they sacrificed to demonians, not to God, but to the gods they did not know, to new gods, to gods that had come to them. <coughs> All right, jump on over. We're going to skip around here till, till we get to the entities and then we'll settle down. Uh, in that second paragraph on the other page, it says, The ancient Greeks viewed the demonia much the same way that the Babylonians viewed demons. Huh? <laughs> As spirits could be good or evil, while in the Bible the word is only used to signify spirits of evil. And they're not either way. All right, the entities. And go to Jeremiah chapter 7 while I read this opening paragraph. It says, All three reveal a connection that is far-reaching and profound. When Israelites offered up their children as sacrifices, they were doing so on the altars of specific gods. Likewise, the idols to which the Gentile world offered up sacrifices represented specific deities and gods of the pagan world. Jeremiah. Let me get to Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, Chapter 7. We'll finish this chapter get on to the next chapter. I did some research on that next chapter. We're going to see some stuff. Uh, uh, Jeremiah 7, 30 and 31. I just want you to see this in the Scripture. And if you want to go back and do some more study, and you can, you can. It says, For the children of Judah had done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. So they took the temple that Moses had built, and they turned it into a shrine to these Canaanite gods. They, they changed, changed the temple over... I said, they have, have built the high places to Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Henan, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. So that is one of the, that Tophet is one of the Canaanite gods that Israel took the actual altar that, that they were supposed to be sacrificing to God on, and they started sacrificing their children to, to, to this God in there. So, because when I, well, when I was reading some of this book, I said, "Look, I got for me to believe in a writer, I got to be able to back up what he says by the Bible." 
So that's why I started researching this and finding out where these things he's talking about actually took place in, in the Bible. Some of y'all that got computer knowledge, we need to rewrite some stuff. Because when you search something, you can't find it in the Bible unless you can get the exact word right. You, you don't give you none of them what ifs, you know, like, like you do when you Google. These Bible search apps, if you don't have it right, it'll say, it ain't there, it ain't there. You know, it's got to be there. So sometimes it can take a long time to find some of this stuff. <clears throat> so it says in the second paragraph, it says, In other words, the gods of ancient Canaan in Phoenicia, to which the Israelites sacrificed, were not simply figments of pagan imagination, but actual spiritual entities. Likewise, the gods that the Gentiles worshipped and sacrificed to the first century Roman Empire gods with such names as Jupiter, Apollo, Vesta, Bacchus were not simply the imagined or invented characters of pagan mythology. So that's what he's trying to prove is that this stuff that we call mythology was actually real. It wasn't a myth. It actually happened and because he's going to connect those demon spirits to, what, to, to them coming back and what they're doing in today's world. Uh, page 14, the, the last few sentences there. And then we're going to get on a civilization possessed. It says, If the gods are spirits and the spirits are God, then what happens when people or nations are given to them? Is it possible for entire peoples, nations, civilizations to become possessed? We're on page 15. All right, here we go with today's lesson. Now, all I know on this first page to get this introduced is we're going to read the majority of this page. And then on the next page, when he starts breaking down these different oracles and, and demonic spirits, we'll, we, we're going to dig into it. But the only way for this to make sense is, is to actually, and I hope y'all reading this ahead of me like, like y'all supposed to. If you're not, you ain't going to get a lot out of, this, out of this book. It says, if the gods of the ancient world were joined to spirits, then what happened to those people and nations under their dominion? The word demonian is used in the New Testament to speak of the effect of a spiritual principality on an individual. So in the New Testament, you see it with Jesus. He shows you how these spirits affected the actual person. And we'll get into some of those examples as, as we go. It can be translated as demonized or possessed. So if behind the gods of the ancient world were spirits, we would expect the signs of demonia or demonization to manifest in those cultures that worshipped and served the gods. The signs of possession, that is exactly what we find. I don't know, you know how many of y'all was raised, I don't know if Mark was here, he could, he, 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 he'd probably remember this. You know, in the old days, you know, in church, if they thought somebody was demon-possessed, they was going to pray for For some reason, they sent all the children out of the church. You couldn't stay in the, in the church because, you know, the Scripture says, you know, when, when he leaves, he's looking for another place to go. Yeah. And why he thought it they would go with the children yeah. instead of some of those adults in there, I, I don't know. You know, you know, the unbelievers, they would kind of try to clean the, the church church out, you know, in there. But if you ain't never heard somebody with a demon speak, it'll give you, it'll give you chills because it's a different voice and... It's the whole people that their face changes when they when they talk. All right, seized of the gods. 
The phenomenon of possession can be found in most pagan cultures of the world. Where there are gods, there is more likely to be possession. I'll read that again. Where there are demons instead of gods, there is more likely to be possession. And I started thinking about our leaders of this country. You know, could, could, it, could it be? I ain't trying to start nothing or thing. I'm just saying, when you find demon oppression, then you find possession. I'm just saying, you know, when you start looking at what's going on, and you're going to see what he says here in a little while about that. It says, one could find the phenomenon of possession in virtually every region and people group of the world. From Mesotopians to the Greeks to the Romans to the Zambians to the Taiwanese, the Eskimos. I didn't realize the Indian culture till I started researching some of this. Eskimos are just a different breed of Indians, uh, you know. That I mean, it's it's big, it's big, uh, you know, in in Indian culture, the spirits and the and and those kind of things are are, are really big. Says to the people of Africa, Asia, South, North America, Europe, it's another example of a strange phenomenon manifesting in virtually every land and people group of the earth. Beyond that, the signs of manifestation of possession are recorded in virtually every culture and land and remarkably consistent. So if behind the gods or the demons were principalities, the principalities like we said last week, that is the one that possesses people. It says powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, you know, rulers in heavenly places. The principalities are the ones that actually, that, that, that group of, of, of demonic forces are the ones that actually possess people. <coughs> then we would expect for those who especially worship and commune with them would be especially vulnerable to possession. And that too is exactly what we find. In the pagan world, the phenomenon of possession was often linked to the gods. The ancient Sumerians experienced the possession of the goddess Inanna. And ancient Greeks experienced the possession of the god but also Diana was one of the big ones. He don't say it here in the book, but in the Bible, when you read Paul's writings, the the Oracle of Diana and those ones he kept running into with. That's what got him arrested and you know and and put in prison to start with was was that group of people. The closer one was the was to the deity. The more in danger one was to possession. The priest, the priestess of the gods, the goddess were especially vulnerable. Okay, now here we want to get to. What are the signs of possession? The Bible gives several accounts that reveal them. The symptoms of possession include convulsions, shaking, and violent frenzies. Now, if you read the Bible, you mostly only see that when, when that person is confronted with a stronger spiritual force. That's how that spirit acts out. If you notice, you know, uh, all the people that, 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 that Paul and Peter and Jesus cast demons out of, they were normal acting people until they had that confrontation. See, you know, because what happened when, when the, the dad brought the boy that was demon-possessed to Jesus and Jesus asked, what's wrong with him? The dad was just telling him, you know, the demon usually oftentimes throws him into the fire, throws him into the water. Uh, so then while he's speaking, then the boy goes into convulsions at that, at that moment. See, when he's confronted with that, with that greater power. 
Uh, because most time, if, if if you if you were an oracle in these days, and they went to you and you fell off in convulsion, they're gonna think you crazy. Not that you know that you know anything. Uh, you know. It says. So these very same signs appear in pagan accounts of individuals being possessed by gods. In fact, shakings, convulsions, violent frenzies were often the most dramatic and striking features of pagan worship. Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this and, and then we want to talk, talk about Jesus in this first the oracle of Delphia. The most famous seer of the pagan world was the high priestess of the temple of Apollo at Delphia, the oracle of Delphia. Now, oracle is, as you want to say, the leader. The oracle is, is, is we call them nowadays a medium. You heard of the, you see in the show about the medium, that's an oracle. The one that actually is supposed to get the communication from the spirit world and pass it down is, is the, the oracle. Okay, so she was known as the Pythia, after the mystic giant Python that was said to have guarded the sacred site at Delphia. The Python gave revelation and prophecy from the gods. According to Greek mythology, the god Apollo slew the Python and established his own temple and his own prophetic oracle on the site. Thus the god took the name of the serpent and become the Pythian Apollo, and as such would take possession of the oracle and speak through her. For the Greco-Roman world, the oracle of Delphia was the epitome of divine revelation. Kings and emperors came to Delphia to inquire of her and to receive revelation from the gods. Now, this is what I want you to, 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 to note. Well, because you see this on TV, called the psychic hotline. You, it's, it's, this is all the same, same stuff. Uh, you know, you're dealing with a different world now. Before Jesus came, Adam fell. Satan become God of this world. All right. When 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 Satan become God of this world, all of the heavenly angelic forces were evicted out. They had to leave. So therefore, in the New Testament, you see on occasion when an angel came and visited somebody, or you see Jacob's ladder, all right? You see, you see those kind of, of things. You don't, you don't see abundance of angels like, like we have today, okay? So go to Acts chapter 1. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2. We're going to get this a little bit ahead, but we're going to see it in the next chapter 2, and we'll reread it. Huh? Uh huh. And we're going to start, start in verse 1. <coughs> okay. Now, um,. Let's, let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully came, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now, 
when you do the research on this verse in the Greek and, and, and look at what the, uh, the scribes wrote about this, this sound that they heard, remember Jesus has already died and conquered death, hell, and the grave, right? Rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven. This rush is all of the angelic beings coming back into the earth on this day of Pentecost. That whew, they all come down and fill this earth. And you see it says, notice in the scripture it says here, in the way King James translated as of or like as. But we have taken it say, hey, you know, a, 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 a tongue of fire set on them. No, actually it means that that fire consumed them. That fire of the Holy Ghost, that angelic force consumed. That's what fire does, right? Fire consumes, see? So that was the entrance back of all of the heavenly host that had to be evicted when Adam done what he done. See? Then you read from that point on, no more do you see angelic portals. You don't see Michael having to fight his way through like with Daniel to get a message back anymore. See, all that is gone. Alright? So what does all that mean? Alright? Let's, let's read this next uh, paragraph. I don't get too far ahead of myself. The signs of the serpent. In the pagan world, the serpent was often seen as a source of divine wisdom. But in the Bible, the serpent was a symbol of darkness, of the satanic or the demonic realm. Before uttering her prophecies, the Pythia would fall into a friend's delirium, violently shaking, moaning, shrieking, foaming at the mouth, speaking unintelligible words. All these are classic signs of spirit possession. And indeed, even the oracle claimed to be possessed by a spirit the spirit of the God. As so the highest realm of revelation in the ancient pagan world was occupied by a woman possessed by a spirit. Again, we see the mystery of the Shedom or the demonia, the gods and the spirits moved as one. All right, now, this is what I want you to see about this. We're trying to put all this together. The serpent in the garden, y'all know, is not a snake like we see today. That's the cursed serpent. Alright? That's the cursed serpent. That's not... If you, if you go back and you take Hebrew... I mean, you take that part of Genesis and you, you look at Hebrews, it was a ape-like creature. The Bible calls it a... If you read that in, in, in Genesis, it, it calls it a creature. See? A creature. See? And it was the most beautiful thing in the garden. Alright? Now, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed, sometimes you, what you don't read is as important as what you do read. Did you notice, though, when that creature spoke to Eve, it didn't scare Eve? Mm -hmm. She had heard that voice before. See? If right now, if you go out and, and, and whatever animal you got, it starts talking to you, you're going to have a different reaction. than See, Eve carried on a conversation with it. It didn't startle her. It didn't upset her. She just took on a conversation with it because she had been in around that before. See, and I don't know if you ever 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 thought about that or, or or seen that. So, but anyway, after that confrontation with Eve, is when God put the curse and made that beautiful creature crawl on on its on its belly from that from that point on. 
See, it wasn't before. You know, before it was a whole different thing. Now, what am I? What I want you to see out of this? <clears throat> when Jesus <clears throat> conquered death, hell, and the grave, conquered all these evil forces. All right, he, Satan, and demonic spirits lost all of their power. All they have now is the power of influence. See, because when we become newborn again creatures under Jesus, we become free moral agents. Okay? We're against our will, God can't do anything for us if we don't want Him to. Is that a fair statement, right? All right. But we've been led to believe, though, that the devil can. See, we are free moral agents. The devil uses influence to get us to act in ways that give him permission to operate in our life. Whether it be unaware or aware, see. God will only do it with you 100% in agreement, see. But he, he gives you ideas, He gives you thoughts, and Satan sees the reaction to those thoughts, and then he knows what to do next. See, it's by influence that we give him portal in, into our life. That's what I, I, I want you to see that. Now, what I'm going to say about these psychics and all, and if you've been in this class a long time, we, when we talked about the caveman, we, we talked about some of this uh, in that series, is that they've been cut off from the future. If you notice when psychics talk, they tell you things in the past. They don't have any access to the future. They only, and that makes us think that they're believable because they said something that they shouldn't know. But they know it because they're spiritual forces and they've been around, but they only can tell you. Because seriously, you go on about psychics, she says, i got some bad news for you, bud. 102 this afternoon, you cashing your chips in. People don't call a line that's going to tell them that, will they? Huh? I ain't going to pay $5 to tell me, you know, but they can't tell you that, see? They don't ever tell you that. They tell you what? Things in the past, see, and lead you to believe that things in the future by things they tell you of the past. See? You see that how 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 the demonic forces have changed with when, when Jesus came. So you have to be you have to be careful, uh, you know, when when you're dealing with this and understand that Satan is an angel. He's not God. He's not even close to God. And we want to put God and Satan up on the same pedestal that they're fighting each other, and they're not. Satan can never overtake God because God created him. All God do, God got to do is say the word, and he just won't ever exist anymore. But Satan exists for what reason now? What is what in the thing of Christianity? Why does Satan exist? Hmm? Because every man born of woman has to make a choice: Are we going to serve God, or are we going to serve the devil? See. We are free moral agents, and God made the decision that He wants people in His family by choice, not by Him making, you see. He, makes, he gives you that choice, that option. And you're not a true, we're not true free moral agents if we don't have a choice to choose something other than what is offered to us. That's what makes us different. We have the opportunity to choose something different if we choose it, see. See, that makes us free moral. We're the only species in the world that are free moral agents. There's nothing but us, see. And, and that's why we are, we're going, when we get to heaven, you know, we have a different spiritual class than those that were born before Jesus. Because we're the only ones that have been saved. See, before us, 
Jesus hadn't come, they all Jesus had to go to to paradise and preach to those people. See, and the, we're the ones that that will have, you know that that are a different class of spiritual beings because the Bible says what when we ask God in our heart. We are recreated. Our spirit, our evil, twisted spirit that we have from, from, from Satan when we're born, is recreated in the image of God. See, and then that draws us to Him instead of away from Him. See? All right. Anybody got anything on that? So you have to watch this, you know, and understand, you know, that the devil's entrance into our life. We have to give permission to it, just like we give permission to God. The hard part is that he's not honest. He tricks us. He manipulates us. He tries to set up circumstances to make us say things that we really don't want. See, and we say them in jest, and we say them, but but we're but in in the spiritual realm, they don't know the difference in jest and seriousness. Words are words. See, see, when you start saying those things, well, don't look like I get out of this alive. What did you just do? So you don't realize that we say it out of thinking it's harmless, but in spiritual it's not. That gives that avenue for him to start working on you. Right? Uh, mass phenomena. This opens up an even larger truth. If the oracles, the high priest, the priestess were possessed of the spirits, and they were each the highest vessel of that, you know. I was going to bring this up later. I'll bring it up now. If 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 you can be possessed by the Holy Spirit, then why do you think it's far-fetched, far-fetched for an unbeliever to be possessed by the devil? We are spiritual beings. We are pos- we can be possessed by one or the other. See, we don't think it unusual to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. We think it's unusual, but I wonder. How many people are really oppressed and possessed that we that walk around us every day we don't even really know about? Okay. <clears throat> the dominion of the gods and the spirits were never confined to the temples and the shrines. It permeated entire cultures and civilizations. The deity was not worshipped only in their temples and shrines, but in their homes, their workplaces, marketplace, fields, mountains, valleys. The majority of their worshippers were not priests or officiants, but farmers, shepherds, potters, traders, everyday men and women and children. So if the culture or kingdom worshipped the gods and the god were spirits, <clears throat> then the culture and kingdom were joined to the spirits, subject to them and under their dominion. The signs of possession were not confined to the priesthood or the temple. The shakings, the convulsions, the violent frenzies, could manifest anywhere at any time with anyone. Now, this this script, this chapter is really important when we get over when he starts talking about the God that, that, that that's in Washington D.C. right now, the one that's on Wall Street, the God about this abortion. To understand uh, what he's saying here, because he's trying to take this and build a foundation where he can relate it later, and you'll understand more where he's coming from. Okay. A, a civilization possessed. Beyond the signs of individual possession were other signs and symptoms of a larger phenomenon. In pagan culture, it is not uncommon for people to offer up other people as sacrifices to the gods. In some pagan cultures, people even murder their own children. Now, he's most talking about 
that the the Viking god uh, Wotan, W-O-T-O-N, that, that Viking, the Viking people from Germany, from, from that part of, of the world, the north, they call them the northern people, the northmen, uh, they were real famous for, anytime they had trouble, they sacrificed up something, uh, somebody they captured, a child, or, uh, for some reason it was never, it was never men, it was women, children, prisoners, things like that. So they did it as acts of worship. Such things were not the spontaneous acts of a possessed individual by the ways, traditions, rituals, and collective acts of a possessed culture. The larger truth is that possession may involve more than an individual. It may involve an entire culture, a nation, a kingdom, a civilization. It is this phenomenon of the collective mass or civilization or possession it is critical to understand if one is to understand the radical metamorphosis that took place in ancient times that altered world history and equally radical transformation taking place at this very moment in the United States. All right. Twilight of the Gods. We've got probably a couple more chapters and then he'll start bringing us to where he wants us to go. In the Twilight of the Gods, there, that, that uh, the last couple of sentences says, he's talking about Jesus here. It says, He came as a long prophesied Redeemer, the Messiah of Israel, the light of the world. He would in time become the central figure of humanity. Now, we'll see a lot in Scripture as we go. This, the Bible talks about light and dark. Light and dark. Right. When you turn the light on, you heard people say that, oh, the light came on. Huh? What does that mean? We understood something, right? But if you notice, when you, no matter how, how, how dark it is, the smallest of light will make a big illumination. Right? So we have to remember that as, as, as we get into this book, and, and as this, remember that little sliver of time we were talking about last week, you know, as we get into that, you know, a little bit of light will drive out a lot of darkness. We just got to get our light in the right place, doing the right thing. See? All right. The Galilean. The earliest account of his ministry record him performing miracles in the sight of Judean multitudes. The lame walked, the blind received sight, the lepers were healed. Another miracle of healing that he was recorded to have performed as described by the Greek word I looked this up and I can't remember how to pronounce it. Ekabalu means to expel, to eject, to cast out, or to send away. The Bible records several encounters between Jesus and those possessed or demonized by unclean spirits. In each case, he cast out the demonic spirit. In each case, the person was set free, healed, restored to his right mind. Before the end of his ministry on the earth, he imparted the same power of being able to cast out unclean spirits to his disciples or to me and you. In the, all right. In the fourth decade of the first century, the message of forgiveness, salvation, eternal life, and death and resurrection of the Messiah, Yahshua, or Jesus, the message that would become known as the gospel went forth from the city of Jerusalem. It spread first throughout the land of Judah, then it went into the nations to the Gentiles. 
The gospel and the word of God had crossed into the pagan world. That crossing would change the course of world history. The message of God now entered the lands of many gods and idols. The ways of God now touched the ways of the pagan world. The word of God now touched the realm of mythology. The spirit of God now moved through the world of the spirits. And the disciples of God now moved through the dominion of the demons and the demonia. So we see that that's what got Paul in prison to start with. See, him, and most of them got imprisoned by, you know, Paul, <coughs> that, the, the girl was following Paul around, the girl that was telling everybody the future and all that, you know, saying, you know, you know he's sin of the Most High God, and it wore, just started aggravating Paul. Paul turned around and cast the demon out of the child, all right? So the people that owned the girl, she was a slave, had lost that way of making money. See? So then they took Paul before the council, and then the people that made, you know, Diana was really, really big in, in, in the culture, you know, and they made silver stuff and gold stuff and bronze stuff about her. So here they came saying, you know, telling telling the Roman Empire, hey, this guy has wrecked your economy. This guy has killed our businesses. Uh, you know, he has discredited us and, and all this thing. So all that is what led to Paul being being imprisoned was him beginning to upset this reign of, of, of these different gods. You know, and that's what... Now, then that makes more sense to you when Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? All right? So... so have you ever wondered what caused the persecution of the church at Jerusalem? Disobedience. He told them to go into Samaria, Judea, all the parts of the world. But they didn't. They camped down in Jerusalem and didn't go anywhere. See? They just camped down there. And, and so they were in disobedience. See? So then that caused the devil to be able to influence and start. And so then when the church scattered... Then we see what God was trying to do the whole time begin to take place across the whole world. See, but as long as they stayed in disobedience and stayed in Jerusalem, then this system of demonic rule would have continued to today if they hadn't scattered. Because what does it say? When they scattered, and you start reading the accounts, you know, you know, this one here got two thousand saved. That one got five thousand saved. That one got you know, and then it just exploded all across Europe and and, and across the Middle East. Okay. Y'all have a good one.